Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring, the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. This is going to be delightful. Rarely do I find somebody that pretty much sounds like an extension of me or I sound like an extension of her. We have attorney Tracy Moore here of Patterson Moore Butler Law Firm. And Tracy is here, though, to talk about something phenomenal that she has started. And she's going to tell you why. And that's called the Amicable Divorce Network on the Amicable Divorce Expert Podcast. So we couldn't be more amicable today, could we, Tracy? (laughs) It is a perfect match. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, tell the story, the fascinating story of what this is and why this is. Okay, so let me know if I run on too long, but I am an attorney. I do family law, and I have been doing this now for 20 years. And so for anybody listening that is in that space, you probably can commiserate is a, a difficult profession. Um, One of the things that was very much frustrating me as a professional was if I had a very good, normal client that came to me for a divorce and they would ask me two questions that I was unable to answer for them when I met with them initially. And one question is, how long is this going to take? And the second question is, how expensive is this going to be? Right? Um, So the two huge questions, who wouldn't be interested in that? And so Um, The reason I couldn't answer those questions is because I didn't know who their spouse had hired yet. And so um, the other attorney is a major actor and a major player uh, in the impact of how, um, how conflicted the divorce might be. And so this really frustrated me on a personal level. Um, I'm not very much into spending my life arguing with people on the phone or sending nasty emails. That's just not um, what I'm about. Um, And I had many clients that wanted that as well. So in an effort to try to be able to answer their questions better, um, I founded the Amicable Divorce Network. And and our purpose has a a couple of different layers to it. One is to identify for the public who those uh, low-conflict attorneys are if they want that service for themselves. Okay, I love you for saying that. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I had to interject. I love that. Proceed. Yeah, so we we vet all of our potential members, whether they are, and the network is comprised not just of attorneys. I speak about the attorneys a lot because I am one, and I think they have a great impact on the network, but it's attorneys, mental health professionals, insurance agents, uh, coaches, mediators, arbitrators, um, anybody that touches a divorce, uh, certified divorce lending professionals, um, they're all in our network to assist the parties, and we vet everybody for being experienced in family law. You have to have five years of experience. You have to be vetted for being low conflict. You have to either provide references, um, receive an invitation from a colleague um, who has said, I've worked with this person. They're a great fit for the network and they give an endorsed invitation. Um, Or we, and we also vet to the members in your area. So we'll send out an email to our members saying this person's applied for membership. Do you have any feedback? Um, and um, sometimes even have a a membership interview with potential members to make sure that they're a good fit with our membership board. That's very important to us um, that these are the good eggs in family law. 
Um, they're vetted for being low conflict, like I said, experienced and also engaging in fair billing practices. Okay, I have a um, quick question. How do you vet for low conflict? Um, so the number one way is that um, professionals are referred by colleagues. Um, so we ask our current members, um, if you have um, somebody you've worked great with on a case, particularly those mediators who get to lift up the hood and see behind the scenes, do you have attorneys that you know are working and giving practical legal advice and, and are good? So that's our number one way. The second way is that um, members, potential members can go to our website and apply for membership if they haven't received an invitation to join and they have to provide references. Um, and so we check those references. And also if we have members in their area we vet to those members. Does any, has anybody worked with this person? Does anybody have any feedback that they can provide to us? Um, and if somebody's not a good fit, their, their membership isn't renewed um, or it's revoked. Um, so we take it very seriously um, that parties um, are wanting a low conflict um, divorce and they're going to be paired with a professional that's going to honor that. Um, that's, really per, that's really important to um, both me and the, and the network as a whole. Okay, thank you. And and what you were going to say before I asked that question, you were listing the things that uh, uh, included in the uh, in the divorce network and, and priorities: low conflict attorneys, people are vetted and referred. And then what were you what were you going to continue to say? I'm not sure, but our third um, is that they're experienced. They have to have five years of experience. This isn't a um, a networking group, even though we use the word network, this isn't a way for parties to just be or um, professionals to just be getting business. And it isn't for new attorneys. I think that you need to have a certain amount of family law experience under your belt to be able to appreciate the benefits of low conflict for yourself as a professional to protect your mental health and for the parties. And we have, um, you know, you have to have a certain amount of being able to assess, is your client telling you the truth? Are they engaging in this process meaningfully? Do you have a skill set to reduce the conflict and the emotions when they get high? Um, because almost across the board, I have an amicable case. A client will contact me at some point and say, this isn't amicable anymore. And the reality is the court, there's no judge sitting anywhere waiting for somebody to walk in and have their dispute heard. It's quite a long road to get to the court. So we talk about that. What is it that's upset you? Because it's the same issues that come up in an amicable case as come up in any divorce case. Emotions run high. Issues are complicated. We deal with a lot of substance abuse issues, special needs, children, business valuations. You're still dealing with complicated issues. The parties are just making the decision to not throw money down the toilet and instead to invest in their future and how to get through the process easily and professionally, um, as opposed to, you know, really getting mired down and throwing mud at one another. So um, I think our uh, professionals need to have a certain amount of experience to be able to really talk somebody off the ledge, to really keep them focused on, you know, why did you choose this process and what are your goals for yourself and your divorce? And this is so ultimately important, what you just said, because in interviewing other attorneys for this podcast, but working with other attorneys, 
uh, the, the issue becomes we know the law and we want to focus on the law. That is our role. The therapist should deal with emotions. But as you and I know, the emotions get dumped on everybody's table because they are part of the people getting divorced. And so can you talk a little bit about, I love that you said skill set to deal with people's emotions. Mm -hmm. How do you think attorneys should um, interface with people's emotions while they're servicing them? I think, you know, the best kind of family law attorney feels like a teammate to their client. You shouldn't be having an adversarial relationship with your client. Um, And so if the client doesn't feel like this attorney's on my team, um, you're not going to have a really great attorney-client relationship. And so that's on so many levels. Obviously, the feelings are very complicated in a divorce, and you need to validate those feelings and, um, you know, understand where your client is coming from. Um, So just to take a little bit of a side note, you know, this year we are offering the first certified amicable divorce professional designation training. Um, where parties or professionals take that training and will become a a CADP, so to speak. And this is two days of training on exactly these things. It's, you know, the stages of divorce that parties go through so that the professionals understand, oh, my my, um, client is still in the grief phase, and this is how I deal with it. Um, It's talking um, about people who have high emotions. It's identifying personality disorders and how to deal with them. Um, It is how to have a child-focused divorce. What do you recommend to your clients? What tools and skill sets can you give them to make their children the focus of the divorce and their well-being? Um, And, you know, what skills can we give our clients as professionals to, you know, cope with this trauma um, and deal with it as they may need? So we're really doing an intense two-day training to give our members a really high level of skills. Um, that they can really keep people on the right track. Um, And I think it's really a good skill set to use across the board. You know, obviously mediators get into a high stress environment when they're mediating those cases, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it all bubbles up. And, you know, what we have found with amicable divorce is people are so terrified of divorce attorneys. We're often not the first point of contact. Sometimes it's a real estate agent, you know, so people are wanting to know about the house or a financial advisor, you know, so we offer this training to all of our members because they may have a, you know, a crying spouse in their office crying over a 401k and they don't understand what's going on. You know, they're just a financial advisor, but if they can identify that and help that person and get them to the right place, they've just really sort of elevated their game on what they can Um, offer as a professional and how they can help people in their um, professional life to understand uh, this, to develop this skill set. You know, this is so fascinating that you're saying this, and I I love that you're saying this. I think it was a year or two ago, I've lost track of time, I belong to Southern California Mediation Association. And so with any association, you have related professions within that association. I was chairing a panel. Somebody else thought of this topic. I didn't. I was just asked to be part of it and chair it. Um, How can mediators and therapists join together to help mutual clients going through divorce? So you just expanded that Mm -hmm. to your entire network of professions included in divorce. And I think that's so ultimately important because 
you'll never get away from emotions. I don't care what you do in the divorce profession. You'll never get away from emotions. And if you don't address emotions, especially as an attorney, it can easily blow up in your face, can it not? It can. You know, if you don't know how to properly handle that emotion, um, you're going to really, I guess, disrupt your um, relationship with your client. You know, they um, want somebody who's empathetic and understands what they're going through um, and is, you know, not just brushing them off and not just saying, you know, I think you need to go see a mental health professional. I'm your attorney. And it doesn't mean that you need to cross the line and become a mental health professional, but their emotion will permeate every stage of the process. And usually parties, and not everybody, but we certainly see parties in distress and at their worst, they don't have the self-knowledge to say, I need to save this emotion or this question for a mental health professional. You know, I am, I'm very good friends with a um, certified divorce lending professional who's in our network. And she often comments on how emotional people get about their home and their financing. Can they stay in their home? You know, can they refinance? Are they going to have to sell it? And how emotional that is. And so how this training assists her with, you know, those um, situations where she's the bearer of bad news to say, I'm so sorry, but, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know, stay in this home or what the situation may be. So, um, you know, if you got into family law and you and you don't like dealing with people, it probably isn't um, a good fit for you. So, you know, we really try to help the professionals uh, deal with the people, with the situations and with the emotions that are just naturally intertwined with parties going through such a life change. In your years as a divorce attorney, did you ever have occasion to pull your client's therapist into meetings or processes, settlement discussions? Um, I have worked with coaches and, you know, they've certainly been very involved and um, are there every step of the way. I've had a few situations as needed where if the client gives permission for me to um, involve their therapist um, or talk with them um, that they've allowed that. And sometimes that's been very helpful to share information back and forth about stressful events that are happening or are on the horizon so everybody can prepare accordingly. Um, with the amicable process, we still have confidentiality. There's still attorney-client confidentiality, and there's still obviously confidentiality with the person and their therapist. Um, but we do try to take a team approach to help the person. So um, we're more likely to get those waivers where we can talk or people want a free flow of information because it really just, if everybody's on the same team, that's what's best for this family. That's what's best for this individual. And we can all use our skill sets, which are different, um, to help them get to a successful conclusion of their marriage and on to the next stage of their life. Extending that the team approach. Could you please explain to our audience what the collaborative approach is? Well, we are not, um, I'm not even trained in collaborative law. Um, so this is different than what people would term collaborative law. Um, collaborative, in my understanding, has an exact set of professionals who need to be involved for it to be collaborative. And they also do not have um, confidentiality between the client and the particular professional. Um, we do have confidentiality. And as far as a team approach, we build the team for the family. 
-hmm. based on what they need and their financial situation. So you could have a family who simply can't afford a full collaborative team, um, but they do want a low conflict result. And so perhaps we have the attorneys and their skill set who are working to get them to the finish line. Um, We deal with a lot of families that involve special needs children because they have different uh, challenges to getting that done, different tax issues, different educational issues, so many different factors. And so we have um, some special education specialists in the network who help us with those types of cases and get pulled in. Um, We really assess what's needed for that family and are very candid with the participants and the the, participants. I guess the the parties in the case about what what can you afford to get through your divorce because a divorce shouldn't bankrupt anybody. Um, you know we want to get them on the other side of this process in the best financial footing possible. And so you know we look at what they can afford based on their needs and design that team for them. And um, you know sometimes it's a team of two and sometimes it's a team of ten. So um, you just you just never know what what particular family will need. Okay, so you just said a couple things. The most recent, a second or two ago, <laughs> divorce shouldn't bankrupt people. No. Mm-mm. I can't, I mean, that is such a valuable thing to say because it so easily can. And without the right attorneys, yes. Um, when an attorney with the wrong attorney, the client will be one giant dollar sign. Absolutely. And yeah, the attorney knows, yeah, and the attorney knows the law. Generally, the people don't, unless that's the second or third divorce, <laughs> and then they're a little more conversant. And so an attorney can so easily manipulate. Absolutely. Yeah, I see it all the time. I mediate quite a bit. So my practice now as a professional is I only handle uncontested and amicable cases, and I mediate. And so seeing what advice attorneys give behind the scenes as a mediator is very eye-opening because there definitely are those attorneys that are focused on what's best for the client. And then there are other attorneys that are poking the bear um, because the, the reality is the only parties that get rich in a divorce are the attorneys. Um, and so, um, you know, some attorneys, you know, know that, know that, oh, if we don't, you know, settle this case, I get to file an extra motion and do all these different steps and maybe we'll eventually settle it and they have that in their mind, but they're not focused on what's best for that family. Um, and so that's why I think it's, it's really important if um, parties have, you know, this mindset that they would like to get. Um, you know, a low conflict, amicable divorce. They want to preserve their co-parenting relationship, their sanity and their finances. Um, Then there needs to be some way to vet who's a good fit for them. Because, you know, I hate to say it and I really love a lot of my colleagues, but there's a lot of bad actors in the family law space. Um, And so we definitely try to identify the good ones. Such a valuable, I, I, I still say such a valuable, valuable network because I just had a conversation this morning with somebody who represented dollar signs to both mm-hmm. of the attorneys representing this person. And if only this person knew of a network that you are nationwide. The goal is to be nationwide, is it not? 
Correct. We have been operating in Georgia since 2019 and um, have a very flourishing and strong network here. And in just the beginning of this year, we opened it up to membership nationwide. Um, So we're starting to see a lot of growth in other states. So um, are definitely looking for referrals of good professionals who are a good fit for our network. So if you're if you're listening and you're a client and you had a really great attorney, um, you know, let us know. If you're a professional and you have colleagues that um, would be a great fit, let us know because those endorsed invitations we really like to see because um, that's the true test really of who's a good professional is people that have worked with them, um, clients that have gotten through the divorce and feel, you know what, I, I went through a divorce, but it was as good as it could be. And my attorney gave me really great advice. And um, I really appreciate, you know, their partnership because that's, again, really should how, how it should feel. And um, if you've had colleagues, you know, I, I often make this joke. It used to be when I had divorce cases that my receptionist would say, um, oh, the uh, opposing counsel on, you know, the Smith case is on the phone, you know, and in my mind, I am like, what fresh hell is this? You know, is it going to be a great colleague that I like working with? Or is it going to be, you know, somebody terrible? It was like, you know, just a, a mystery. Who is this person going to be? How is this case going to go? I, I just don't have that anymore. You know, any opposing counsel that I happen to be working with in my professional life is um, a great person that I can speak with that is reasonable, that is not out to stick it to me or my client is, you know, just really working towards the same goals and values that I have. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. It's just, it's a different way to practice family law. (laughs) Absolutely. And that was going to be what I wanted Mm -hmm. to circle back to as my second point, because you had made this point a few minutes ago, and that was, it's for you, even before you founded the Amicable Divorce Network, you know how you wanted to operate and you always wanted to keep it conciliatory and let's spend the the least amount of money we need to spend, but let's get it done right. But it depends on opposing counsel. Isn't it true, Tracy, that so often the clients themselves will have had conversations before they hire anybody and let's keep it amicable. This looks like a decent settlement, but let's now hire attorneys since we have a working knowledge of what we would like to do with our assets and debts. And then one of the two attorneys turns everything in the opposite direction and then it turns into a battle. Absolutely. Yeah. One bad actor can really upset the apple cart for an entire family, um, which is so disappointing because then the other attorney and client is really put on the, um, you know, the defense for the certain things that they do and they don't have any option other than to react to those things in the court system. Um, Our process is entirely out of court. We generally only access the court system to get the case finalized, to get that final judgment decree from the court. Um, Each state has a different, you know, sort of procedure on how we can best go about that. Um, But we are not having the threat of filing motions. We are not, you know, sending exhaustive discovery. There is discovery. You do have to produce financial information and under oath. Um, But it's not 10 years of stuff and printing out your bank records that every attorney knows you don't need. You know, um, maybe you're one in a million case where you have to go back and find something, you know, in your whole career, did you need that? You don't need that in a a standard 
run-of-the-mill, I hate to say, divorce case, but that's what most people have is a traditional, you know, sort of average divorce. You have a home, you have a couple of accounts, you have, you know, some children, you need to work some things out. You're not dealing with these multi-million dollar, you know, corporations and things of that nature, you know. So for those individuals, you know, we hope to offer really just a streamlined approach to get them through the divorce and out the other end as healthy as possible. You control, the client controls the relationship. I've, I say this over and yes. over. I, uh, my, uh, I just released a podcast episode talking about the best attorney-client uh, uh, relationship and how much control you have. And even if you don't know the law, and this is what attorneys need to know, even if their clients don't know the law, they know how they feel. And yes. there's, a, there's a certain point in um, a relationship that's too much about money and not enough about the client and how best to um, uh, have this turn out, people know when they're being taken advantage of at a certain point. I wonder, you know, um, you brought up a good point earlier in the podcast about, you know, people don't know unless maybe they've had multiple divorces. And I have really seen, unfortunately, where some clients have gone to what I call high conflict divorce attorneys who say, I'm going to fight for you. You know, we need to go do this. And people in this situation that's so emotionally charged want to feel fought for. They want somebody on their side. A lot of times that really identifies with them. Um, And so they don't know that none of that fighting is, number one, necessary. And number two, that it's very expensive. And so instead of that attorney reframing their thinking, you know, and saying, I understand where you're coming from, you know, I hear you, let me help you meet your goals. Um, Let me connect you with um, other professionals who can help you meet your financial goals, who can help you feel better about this situation, Um, which would be the proper way to, in my opinion, to reframe that individual and set them on a different path during their divorce instead of saying, oh, absolutely, I'm going to do these things. We're going to bury this person. I'm going to fight for you. You know, you really need to sort of take the fight out of it. I think that mentality um, is, is really dangerous. And people don't know the difference because I think you're absolutely correct. Most people don't have multiple divorces. It's not like buying a car. So you don't understand that this felt very different. This divorce felt different than the last one. You don't know the difference. So you think that what you went through was normal. Um, and you can have your attorney's bill at $40,000 and maybe your spouse had one that was seven. I mean, we see this, you know, often, um, you know, where it's such a disparity because of the actions that are being taken by one attorney and, and the client doesn't know any different. So, you know, we really want to also educate the public on that. You know, we have the Amicable Divorce Network, which is for professionals, Um, But our public-facing website is called Divorce Amicably, and that is for people who are going through divorce to get to that website, learn about amicable divorce, learn about these resources for co-parenting, about, you know, red flags with divorce attorneys, you know, different things of that nature um, that they can learn prior to, you know, maybe engaging the wrong professional to help them with their case. That is excellent because in Los Angeles, uh, in Southern California, where I work, if I am filing, now I can't represent, I'm not an attorney, I'm a paralegal license to file on my own without an attorney being part of the process. 
So if I have the respondent, so to speak, uh, that came to me, Judy, I've just been served. I need to file a response and we'll do that and then go through the financial and um, property declarations. I can tell what, what type of attorney the petitioner has hired because of something you made a quick reference to. And we call it in the state of California, demand for production. Is that phrase something used in Georgia? Demand for production is for the past 10 years or right. 15, however much mm-hmm. you, we want every bank record, every insurance yeah. policy, every check you've ever written. And it's like, why? We have exactly. a house to divide. Yeah. We have one house. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of retirement plans, and that's all we have. Why? Exactly. So we have um, in Georgia, it's called overall the discovery process. And that can mean requesting questions be answered, like list all your bank accounts. But then you can have a request for production, which is give us the documents. Um, with the amicable process, we have really a couple of different options that parties can take as we do require a financial disclosure, um, which is just a few pages long and be done under oath so that the parties do know that they have made a verified financial disclosure with, you know, in front of a notary public that the other is relying upon for this settlement. It is not, you know, uh, 10 pages or 10 years of things. It's, you know, give us your income, give us a list of your assets and your debts that you're verifying is true and correct. Uh, we also use the computer program Detour Life, which is a web-based program where parties exchange, know, yeah, where parties about. exchange information um, on the cloud. And um, so, a lot of times, I collaborate with my client. I get all that information. We share it with the mediator. We share it with opposing counsel. We share it with, you know. Um, maybe a financial person that needs to help us assess the information. You can, you know, collaborate in that way. And then you have that transparency as well. Um, You know, truthfully, parties who are looking to hide information, you know, please don't contact us. We're not about trying to help you be sneaky. That's, that's not what we're about in any way. Um, We really are for the, the, we call it divorce for reasonable people. Um, Because if you just want to have a a good divorce um, and, you know, not be bankrupt and put your kids first. And, you know, like I said, leave with your money and your sanity, then, you know, you're our, you're our client. But if you're trying to get away with something and be sneaky, uh, don't contact us. <laughs> you know, I do love your power of decision-making that you can choose who you want to work with. It's no fun trying to work with somebody who you're pretty sure is lying. You're yeah. pretty sure wants, wants not to divulge. and. Y- it is what it is. I mean, there's divorce law in your state. Accept it, deal with it, and mm-hmm. move forward. Generally, you can always make more money. You can't take it with you when you die. What's the point of, of making everything so miserable? Exactly. And so that, that's another reason why we have the five years of experience. Because I think when you've been doing this a certain amount of time, like you start, you know, when people are lying to you, you know, when people are, you know, and you also know what, if you're looking at a tax return, you know, what's missing. Like you have enough, in, you know, you have a basis of knowledge to say, I don't have the full picture here. And, and as a professional, I'm putting my name on this paperwork and I'm not in the business of lying for anybody. And so we are going to be transparent in the same way that the court would require you to be. So um, that is, you know, very important to us. And I think lends to why we have the um, experience required of our professionals and the additional training that we um, offer them is to, you know, get people to the highest level of their profession. 
I'm really happy that you're requiring five years of experience from everybody, right? Not just attorneys, every Mm -hmm. professional. Correct. Because if the truth be told, there are business managers involved with very wealthy people. And they speak a language that nobody understands, too. They speak mm-hmm. the language of math and all these different laws with tax shelters and this and that. And I, I, I come from the entertainment industry and I work in the entertainment capital of the country. And business managers can be taking advantage of their clients, too. Certainly, yes. And I have heard of situations where the business manager has to get involved in the divorce process because only they can Mm -hmm. really help fill out the financial statement because they've been in charge of finances. And in that process where they have to divulge information to other divorce professionals, that Band-Aid can be ripped off and Mm -hmm. you can find out uh, a side of your business manager that you may never have known existed. Certainly. And you can almost find out that there may be malfeasance going on in your own portfolio unbeknownst to you. Yeah. Over the years, I've certainly had an occasion or, or two of that where somebody had uh, their money being managed and decisions being made by somebody else. And when you have, you go through a divorce, I mean, we're lifting up the hood. We're, we're trying to identify everything. I was you know, explain to clients, there's really three phases of a divorce. And the first is information gathering. The second is assessment. And the third is division. And so, you know, in this first phase, when we are lifting up the hood and looking for everything, you, you, you know, if you've had somebody else in there or, you know, you find out what your spouse is doing or um, anybody else will usually get to the bottom of that if something looks unusual, because the Proper professionals are assessing all of this information to be able to divide it up, you know, so it it gets a thorough checkup for sure. The emotional divorce versus the legal divorce. It's something that I like to talk about and other people talk about it as well. So the emotional divorce is between spouses going through the grief stage going through the self-awareness stages and literally putting to bed any of the hurt, the reasons why the divorce may be happening so that you can clear your head and your heart in order to make financial decisions. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit because in your network, now you have a variety of professionals who who have to be dealt with. Yes. But it's the therapist and maybe the attorney and or mediator that can say, wait a minute, I don't think you're emotionally ready to make the decisions that are going to impact your life long term. Can you address this, please? Certainly. And I I mean, I that's an important part of our core certified amicable divorce professional training, because I think understanding that people go through stages of divorce in a very much similar, you know, to grieving a death um, that the professionals who are involved in their case need to understand that, you know, something that's very different about, you know, the amicable divorce process is if I have a client who is still in the grief phase and just can't move forward and just isn't being reasonable, I can call the other attorney and I can say, 
um, I think we need to push off this mediation because my, my client's really struggling. And, um, you know, I think we need to, you know, give her another month or, you know, something of that nature. And you know what, that other attorney is not using that against me. They're not saying, oh, well, now I'm going to, you, your client is struggling. Now I'm going to file a motion to take custody away because you've mentioned that they are, you know, not mentally capable and I'm going to file this and I'm going to do that, which would happen in a high conflict divorce. We have, you know, a, an environment here where everybody is working to get everybody involved, you know, through the process well and to not cause additional trauma for people. And so, whereas their client may be very interested in getting the divorce done as soon as possible, their response is going to be, my client would like this divorce done as soon as possible, but I understand, you know, send me some new mediation dates and we'll get this rescheduled. Um, because you're not dealing with a professional that's trying to stick it to you and your client in the court system and take advantage of vulnerabilities. Um, everybody's trying to help everybody through those vulnerabilities as best they can and, and serve their client at the same time. So it's a it's a delicate balance, you know, that the professionals have. Um, you know, part of our training is how to be an amicable advocate, you know, how to be respectful and have that balance of being an advocate for your client while engaging in respectful practices in the process and also with opposing counsel. Um, you know, some of our training is, you know, you don't villainize the other people that are involved in the process. You don't throw them under the bus to make yourself look better or, you know, everybody is human. Um, and so there are different ways to phrase things um, to reduce the conflict in a case and get everybody, you know, moving through on the other side. So um, just some of the uh, different things that, that we train people on trying to, to make it better. That's really incredibly important. What you said, because it exists, being concerned to say as a mediator or even as the attorney representing the client, to call the other, to call opposing counsel and be human right. and just say, my client is it is justifiably, obviously, normally, humanly, just needs to pause. Mm -hmm. she, she or he just needs to take about a month, clear their head, clear their heart, let them get refocused, get, let them get energized so that they can be their best at engaging in settlement talks. But to be able to say it without the fear that it's going to be turned against you. Oh, then there must be something mentally, uh, mental yeah. incapacity here. If there's children involved, how is that going to work raising the children? Which would just be horrible. It's a reality. You know, so when you're dealing with high conflict individuals, they're going to look for any weakness to, you know, benefit their client. And in the end, by the time you get to court, you know, five months from now, and the client no longer is stuck in this phase, you know, the judge, you would have dismissed that motion anyway. The judge wouldn't care, you know, but a high conflict attorney would see an opportunity there for creating conflict and cost. Whereas a low conflict attorney is going to, you know, take that for what it is as an opportunity to help everybody move forward and be a part of a team 
you know, that the whole family is proud of at the end um, that they worked with to get through this difficult time. Um, so it really is a different temperament as a, as a professional and as one of the clients involved when you're dealing with, you know, reasonable professionals and reasonable clients. It's just incredibly different. So, you know, one of the things we started this year is actually a professional wellness initiative where we're actually doing things to help our professional members from burnout um, on to, uh, you know, focus them on self-preservation and mental health for the professionals because um, we've, of course, always focused on that for the individuals, but because um, family law professionals have a lot of pressure on them as well. I've never asked an attorney this question on this uh, show. And okay. I'm going to ask it now because you brought it up. All right. And I think about it when I'm driving. Okay. Here's the question. Why do attorneys want to make a divorce a fight? Money, money, money. Is that really? Absolutely. There's really no other reason. I mean, I guess that there is a small segment of any population that just wants to fight and wants to win things. Let's say that's 1%. Um, The rest of attorneys, you know, driving up the conflict, they get money. I mean, right? You get paid by the hour. Um, And so the more hours you spend, even if in your mind and heart, you know, this issue that you're making a big deal out of is going to resolve. You might get another thousand dollars out of that. You might get another $10,000, you know, who knows, but it's all about money. Um, And something else that's interesting is a lot of our network professionals, certainly not all of them, we don't dictate this, but um, we have several that do the amicable cases on a flat fee basis, which is almost unheard of in family law. So you pay the attorney one fee, that's it you know, you, you get your divorce and that's because the process is so manageable, both for the client and the professional. Nobody's being getting taken advantage of in that situation because the process is so, you know, contained and not subject to getting out of control that, you know, the attorney is losing money or the client is um, under or overpaying their attorney. Um, you know, so we have several that have gravitated towards a flat fee, um, you know, fee process in um, our system. So um, some clients have really, you know, enjoyed that as well because it's a very manageable and articulatable cost for the service, you know? So um, yeah, that's just something. To, but yeah, the, the answer to your question, of course, is is money. Yeah. So as I keep thinking about this, you know, I keep thinking, A, these are human beings you're dealing. We're all dealing with human beings at a very difficult time in their lives. They're emotionally sad. They may be very fearful for a variety of different reasons, uh, what the future may bring. Um, there are children involved. So that's a whole other layer of consideration. And to say to your client, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to do everything I can. This is going to be a battle. I mean, listen to the words that are used. How stressful. And how can you live with yourself knowing you've been part of ripping people's lives apart? I don't get it. And there are, I mean, I'm not absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's an incredible industry. It's an industry, right? Yeah, You know, and so um, it's not a hamster wheel that I choose to be a part of as a professional. The, you know, the ethics of it did not sit well with me, um, which is why I excused myself sort of from the entire family law system and created my own ecosystem of where 
my sort of moral compass and family law could live together. Mm-hmm. And we just see tons of professionals who, when they learn about the network, um, are just gravitate. The right people seek us out. You know, the right people, when they hear about this, you know, they're filling out the online application, they're sending in emails, they're, you know, hopping on our online seminars, and they just they just love it. And, and a lot of what they um, enjoy is working with like-minded colleagues, um, you know, where you don't have this adversarial, you know, where as a professional, your cortisol isn't rising 25 times a day. You know, a lot of us got into this um, industry and family law to help people. And you, you sort of find as a professional, you're not helping people. You know, you're really just trying to play catch up with this high conflict opposing counsel. But in the process um, for the amicable divorce, you can help people. You know, you can have a meaningful connection with your client. You can give them great legal advice that is maybe very personal that can help them, Um, you know, and they can use the resources that they have not on filing useless motions, but maybe hiring a mental health professional, maybe getting a financial person to help them um, manage their money. You know, they can use those funds for other things. I always tell people, I, I would much rather you spent it on going on a trip somewhere that you always wanted to go that will bring you a lot of joy than giving it to me. Because, you know, I have a waiting list of people, you know, to work with me. And, you know, the the next uh, unfortunate person who needs this service, you know, will, will come in and hopefully I can help them. But I would rather help a ton of people um, and make less money per person than bankrupt five people. I mean, that just has never sat well with me as a professional and other professionals agree. And we say, you're our people. When we find them, we say, oh, you know, you're one of our people. So um, anybody listening to this, you might know you're one of our people. (laughs) Yes, they are all our people. Um, But that's such a great, that's just a great business concept too. You leave money on the table. You don't take every cent from people that you can possibly take. And if you leave money on the table, if you do what's needed, but not more than what's needed. When you meet your client where they're at in terms of, I just want this amicable. We're going to be raising children together. I want the the best it can be, or we live in a town. We're going to run into one another. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to avoid my, my soon to be former spouse. And so it just makes more sense. But what do you do? And have you had this situation arise yet? where one spouse comes to you and wants to work within the concept of amicable, but the other spouse hires the shark. What do you do? (laughs) Certainly. So, you know, and and it depends on the situation for me personally. So for um, two parties to be able to use the amicable divorce process, I say it's like one of those card games where you have to turn over a match. So you do need two attorneys in the network in order to use the amicable divorce process. So um, I have had clients that have come to me, um, hired me for an amicable divorce. We reach out to the other spouse. We send a very nice letter. It's not confrontational at all. It explains what amicable divorce is. We have a whole book that we send them. I even list the member professionals in their area. I print it out for them, You know, give them tons of time to meet with somebody Um, And generally speaking, we have around an 80 to 85% success rate that if we can catch somebody before they hire a different attorney, 
that they are attracted to our, oh, who wants to spend more money? Who wants to fight more? You know, so they generally do hire somebody in the network. So that's pretty successful. Of course, you're going to have those people who get the letter and say, oh, you want to divorce me? I'm going to make this as hard on you as possible. And I'm not going to do anything that you recommend. And so they go hire, you know, the high conflict attorney that, you know, is advertising that they're going to fight for them and do all that kind of stuff. And Time and time again, though, I've seen where sometimes I keep the client because um, I'll see if the case can settle because most cases settle anyway, right? You know, yeah. so very few see the inside of a courtroom. So sometimes um, I can divorce whisper their case a little bit and keep it still low conflict. Um, sometimes I can't. And that's just a case by case basis on what happens. But um, we've had several instances where a couple months after you get that high attorney bill from that high conflict attorney who's doing all that fighting for you, all of a sudden this person hires somebody in the network and now wants to start an amicable divorce. And they, they regret having made that very emotional and very expensive decision. Um, so we've seen that happen several times as well. And so um, we welcome them back to the, to the, to the amicable process whenever they want to do that. We do have that possibility in Georgia that they have that option. So I was just, I was just thinking that if you were working with one spouse and the other spouse committed to working with um, a high conflict attorney and you are as nice as you can be, don't engage in escalating the conflict. Do you have the ability legally to keep it contained to a large extent? It, It really depends on what the other attorney is doing because you do have a legal obligation to react to these things. You know, if they notice your client for a deposition, you got to sit there through this eight hour deposition about nothing, you know, so you cannot make those high conflict choices and just sort of be, you know, hitting the ball back over the net to the other, you know, party when they do that kind of thing. Um, Honestly, normally that type of anger and behavior fizzles out. People don't have, you know, what happens is whoever was so angry, suddenly, you know, they're on Tinder swiping right and they find somebody that, you know, sparks their interest and now they want this divorce over as soon as possible. And so their, their tone totally changes or they get that high bill, like I said, and their tone changes, you know, so sometimes it's just a matter of time because even though they are angry, they are still in that divorce process as well that we were talking about. They're in one of those stages of divorce as well. And hopefully they will work through it. If they don't, generally it's because they have a personality disorder, which is rare, you know, but we train our professionals and, you know, to be able to identify and how do you then work through that to keep the case amicable. Not Um, rare in Los Angeles, Tracy. (laughs) Not rare in Los Angeles. Got a lot of P. Oh, you got a lot of big personalities out there. Oh, we we have a lot of that. We have a lot of type A people and to be Mm -hmm. type A in the film and television business, got a lot of narcissists narcissism, a little sociopathic stuff going on. Yeah. You may have more of that per square mile than we do here in Georgia. I'll give you that. You probably have more to deal with for certain, Uh, but for all of the other areas that are listening, you know, that's, you know, pretty, you know, rare um, that somebody keeps that level of conflict up. And those people obviously can't be managed by anybody anywhere, but it's incredibly rare. 
Um, so, you know, it's just a case by case basis on, you know, how we handle it. If somebody does want to go hire that, that shark in my personal practice, our, our network members all of course have the right to handle that however they wish. Right. And I've also seen where in the communication between the spouses themselves, that if, if one does have a personality disorder, we'll just say narcissism. It seems to be that's the most order right of now. the day. Yeah. It used to be bipolar yes. 10 years ago. Now it's narcissism. Who knows what it'll be in a few years. But I've also seen the, the one that has a little bit more of an emotional challenge. If the one, if the spouse who doesn't just remains steady, mm-hmm. doesn't overreact. Yeah, is focused, responds, but responds in a very conciliatory way. You do have the power of shaping the other person because you can't continue to be mean to somebody who's nice to you forever. You can't, but you know, you are separating from this person. So the amount of control that they have over your daily life, you know, you can manage that at this point. We Um, have a partnership with our family wizard. So, you know, parties can communicate on that online platform if they choose. Um, And we, you know, hopefully, you know, give our members the training um, to train their clients on, of course, the BIF method, keep it brief, keep it informative, keep it friendly and be firm, Um, you know, and so that is just a hallmark to, you know, teach the clients in these high conflict communications or really any communications, because as you're getting divorced, you really have certain topics you need to talk about, whether it's financial or in regards to your children, you don't need to be adding in your feelings or your anything else about it, right? You just need right. to keep it, you know, brief, informative, friendly, and firm and, and move forward. And in doing that, though, that also helps the client to reframe their thinking almost in a, a sort of cognitive way that this is what's important. This is how I need to communicate. And it helps them also get away from those emotions themselves. Um, if you're really having them focus on those facts. That's really true. And shall we give Bill Eddy credit for the Biff method? Absolutely. Please do. <laughs> Absolutely. He's great. In conclusion, Tracy, because we're at the end of our hour, you're in Georgia and you said you're growing now. Is there a state that's coming up next? We don't have it really um, in that sort of way. What we um, generally have is people reach out to us who are very interested in growing an area. We call those amicable ambassadors. And so we do have one for the state of California. Um, Her name's Janet Price, and she's a coach, and she's um, working on um, membership in California. And we have others who are in um, Boise, Idaho, um, Arizona, and um, some other areas who are taking a leadership role, um, Chicago, Illinois, um, in growing the area. Um, and so those areas are growing a little bit quicker because we do have leadership. So if somebody's interested in taking a leadership position, they can um, reach out to me. Um, and um, otherwise, we have people who are like, I'm too busy to take a leadership role and join an organization, but I really want to be a part of this. And so we do have members in other areas who are just joining you know, sort of randomly as they come across us and helping the network grow in that way as well. Um, So we don't have really a plan like, oh, we're going to hit this state next. It's really a certain professional will reach out to us and say, I'm really interested in helping my area get this service. Okay. So people who love what you've said, I can't think of a reason why they wouldn't (laughs) love what you said 
and are, know they're going to have a divorce and say, oh, this is so perfect. I can research this way. How do they, uh, whatever state they're in, they're in Florida. Sure. They're, they're in Florida. Is there a way you can help people in another state figure out if they don't have a leader in their mm-hmm. area yet, but love what you said, how can you help them? Are they professionals or are they people going through a divorce? Going through a divorce. Um, yeah. So generally speaking, we have connections in, in every state, whether those individuals have joined or not. So if somebody's going through a divorce, you can go to either the Divorce Amicably website, and it's just divorceamicably.com or amicabledivorcenetwork.com. And in both, there's a find a professional tab. And so you can search. I'm looking for an attorney in Florida um, and it'll pull up all of the members. And then you can sub, you know, you can go into counties as well if you want to get a deeper dive into who is there. If you don't find anybody in your area, you're welcome to reach out to us and we can look through our database to see if there's possibly professionals that we've issued an invitation to who just maybe haven't accepted it and connect you with them because we know they're a good fit if they have an endorsed invitation. And as we grow, you know, just keep checking back um, just for any litigation. If you have a child support modification or a custody case, you know, you may want a low conflict professional to handle any of those family law matters and use our, our process to do it or just have somebody, you know, is going to be a, a good teammate with you through the process. Tracy, what you've done is brilliant. What you've done is so helpful, so necessary. I'm really appreciative as somebody who works in this field that you have made this step forward and I look forward to seeing you grow. I thank thank you you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me and for getting uh, the word amicable out there and for having such a strong and wonderful meaning so that uh, people know what they should be looking for. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know. So yes, uh, I love the work that we're doing. I really do. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And thank all of you for joining as I thank you each and every week. Please subscribe to the podcast, to the YouTube channel. There's many different outlets to subscribe, Spotify, Apple, Google, etc. Please through SpeakPipe on my website, theamicabledivorceexpert.com. Please use that to communicate with me. If there are topics that you would like to hear, I would like to hear that from you and any comments about the episodes that you're listening to. And as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves. Be kind to your spouse and cherish your children above all else.